Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host Ted Odorico, and we got to, as always have a great show for you here Thursday night. Uh, first up, uh, it, of course, is going to be Coach's Corner. I've got a couple of great professionals coming on here in just a moment, uh, and then a little bit later on in the show, uh, we're going to be dealing with part two of a two-part series that I started last week. Uh, my very special guest tonight, of course, is uh, Mr. Peter Willis. Uh, he's the president and founder of the Willis Organization. And uh, part two tonight is going to be uh, covering people and relationship building tips for your business. Uh, of course, referring to golf businesses out there, and and for you entrepreneurs as well, there's going to be some uh, great tips in here uh, as well uh, on how to uh, sort of navigate the waters while you're out in the golf course and and uh, do some great business as well and develop those relationships uh, both on and off the golf course. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. So he'll be joining us. Of course, we had part one last uh, week, which was the seven tips to growing your golf business. Uh, for those of you that that tuned in, um, I hope you got lots of inf- good information from that uh, segment as well. And if you missed it. Uh, as always, uh, you can go back to uh, our main page, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and scroll down to the on demand section and you can uh, pick up the recorded version uh, if you weren't able to tune in live last week. Um, as always, though, uh, Thursday evenings, we are live from uh, 6 p.m. to uh, 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 for those of you on the East Coast under Eastern Standard Time. And you're always welcome to uh, call into the show uh, anytime. We'd always love to hear from you at uh, area code 646-716-4667. And uh, you're always welcome to email me any questions or comments about the show at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Or if you're interested in coming on as a guest, if you're in the golf industry or uh, affiliated somehow with the golf industry and you think you have something to share with the audience, I'd love to have you uh, join us here. We've got some room coming up here in the fall as we navigate uh, out of the summer months into the uh, fall season uh, got some openings there as well. So love to hear from you. Again, you can reach me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Uh, always uh, update on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, my Facebook uh, page is facebook.com forward slash golftalklive blog is the main one, but you can also uh, get it on my personal page as well. I update every week on the show. And also on Twitter, my Twitter handle is Ted and Buck CEO and that CEO in capital letters. As I mentioned, i got two great guys uh, on the Coach's Corner panel tonight, Pete Buchanan and Mike Fay. And let me just tell you a little bit about each of them, and then I'll bring them on, and we'll get right into our discussion for this evening. Uh, Pete, of course, has been on the show many, many times. Uh, he's the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf, LLC. Uh, Plain Simple Golf uh, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. Uh, Pete's been teaching uh, over the last uh, 30 years plus, actually. Uh, and during that time, he's been simplifying his golf swing philosophy in an effort to make it simple uh, for players uh, like you to play this great game. Uh, Mike Fay as well, uh, very prominent in the industry as well. He's a PJ uh, Director of Player Performance at the Boyne Golf Academy, and he's got 20-plus years' experience uh, as a teacher professional and coach. 
uh, and it's certainly easy to understand why he has become a leader in the world of, of golf instruction, uh, including everything from cutting-edge social uh, media network techniques to having a mobile app, and he's helped really change the face of teaching golf through all of his efforts as well. So, gentlemen, uh, guys, welcome to Coach's Corner on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, Ted. Great to be here. Thank right. you, Ted. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for joining me tonight, and, and as always, uh, I appreciate you giving of your time uh, on the show. Okay, guy, I gave you a little bit of the heads up, if you will, on what we're going to talk about tonight, and we're going to talk about the four stages uh, of learning uh, an activity. Of course, we're going to be talking about golf here, and, and there's a reason why. Uh, it's really twofold. I want the uh, average players out there, particularly some of the younger, uh, newer uh, guys that are getting into golf or gals as well, but it's also some great tips, I think, for uh, you teach professionals and coaches out there um, again, they're maybe just getting into the profession or some of you guys that maybe been for, around for a while that maybe forget uh, how we handle certain things. Um, these two guys are going to help sort of put some things together tonight. So guys, I'm going to start off with stage one and they're going to sound a little bit odd at first until we get into the, the scenarios. But the first uh, stage of, of learning a new activity is unconscious incompetence. And I'll give you a good example of that. And then Pete, I'm going to start with you if you don't mind. Um, so here, here's our, our example for uh, stage one. Um, and we'll just give a fictitious name. We'll say Brian uh, is, is new to golf. He's maybe watched it on TV. He's maybe been out to a golf course with a friend, but hasn't really played uh, the game yet. But he's decided that, uh, hey, this looks like fun, and I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, decides to give it a try. And at this stage, uh, at, at this point, rather, this becomes uh, part of stage one, which is learning the activity, uh, which is called, as I said, unconsciously incompetent. Uh, and here's typically what happens uh, after maybe an attempt or two, uh, he or she, and in this case, Brian, uh, has discovered that this activity is a little more difficult and it looks like um, that he's sort of had a few failures, if you will, and isn't sure whether or not uh, how to handle this activity. So, Pete, I want you to take this scenario. Uh, this is sort of a newbie to golf. Um, we don't want to scare him away with, with sort of beating him down with, with a whole bunch of golf lessons necessarily. How do we approach somebody that's just sort of maybe uh, had their, their toes wet, if you will, in the water a little bit, um, but maybe hasn't played very much. Um, how do we sort of handle a newbie like that and don't sort of scare them away with too much information too quickly? Well, one of the first things I'd want to find out from them individually is what other activities have they done, uh, whether it's sports-wise or, or anything else, and to find out some commonalities and things they've done before and relating those back into golf and what we're trying to do. You know, golf's a side-on game, so – if they played some tennis, if they played softball, baseball, they're familiar with some side-on activity. And so you can mm -hmm. begin to relate the golf swing back to some of the things they've done before to get some, you know, something that's familiar to them, and, and that way it keeps them a little bit more positive, a little bit more, yeah, you know, I've, I've swung a bat before. You know, I can, I can do this. And then begin to relate, you know, the, the thing that I always try to do is, is in everything that we pick up with golf is what are we trying to do? And so to get them an understanding of, you know, what are we trying to do with this ball versus sitting here on the ground, what's the object, what are we trying to do with it? And to mm -hmm. give them, you know, something similar to what they've done before and relate it back into, okay, now with that in mind, here's what we're going to do with this ball and here's what's necessary to make this ball do what it's going to do. So giving them an understanding of what's necessary first and then relate it back into some similar things from their past to help them get familiar with, with using the golf club from there. Right. Well said. Um, Mike, maybe you could just expand a little bit. Uh, obviously, you know, you've had um, 
opportunities, I'm sure, over the years of your teaching experience um, where you've got a new player come in. They, they're really not that familiar. They don't understand golf that much. They you know, have seen maybe a little bit on TV or maybe they've been up to uh, watch a, a buddy of theirs at the driving range. So you, you obviously want to invite that person. You want to make it a welcoming experience. Um, what are some of the early steps that you try to do um, to, to welcome, uh, you know, uh, as I said, Brian, we'll use as an example, uh, into the golf experience? Well, like Pete said, you know, the interview process is, is uh, so important, you know, Ted. It is to find out about the person, get to know them more. How can you relate? different uh, things that happen in the game of golf to things that they've experienced in the past. And a lot of times what ends up happening is that they start to understand a lot faster that uh, also, you know, relating it to learning different activities as well. It looks like it's easy, but you have to learn it. And so when we start out and we start teaching players like that, we usually start out with, you know, smaller strokes, right? And then we mm-hmm. build our way up to building a golf <clears throat> swing. So, you know, starting out around the green, things like that, and, and teaching them those things, contact, all that kind of stuff, it, it's so important. But the big deal that we want to see, and I, I think it's terribly important, especially with a new golfer, is some success. We have to yeah. have some success, some way to grade success, whether it be, you know, whatever it is, if I'm videoing them or if they're hitting it closer to the hole, or if they're just hitting it, period. That's important. And uh, showing them some success keeps them coming back to playing golf. Right. And, and well said. And I like both uh, both approaches here. I think that's that's very sound advice. And, 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 and again, the reason I wanted to tackle these topics, and I, I said this to you guys off air, um, you know, I get a lot of requests, and, you know, people will ask, and I'm sure, as I'm sure both of you have uh, in your time, uh, as, as teach professionals that, you know, they want to understand the basics, you know, of how to fix this or how to fix that. And that's all well and, and, and done. But I think sometimes people have to understand uh, a little bit mu- what goes behind the thought process and, and where they are, where they actually are. I think, <clears throat> like you said, Mike, as well, uh, during the interview stage is a good assessment time to find out where that individual is, where they are in the process. Are they, you know, a, a very uh, early stage beginning golfer, like we just discussed with Brian here as, as our example, uh, or are they a little bit further down the food chain, if you will? Um, so we want to see where and how we uh, sort of formulate our game plan to make it a, a better and more pleasant experience. So we're going to move into stage two now. Uh, as I said, the first two stages are, are fairly quick. Um, and we're going to get more detail with this stage uh, than we did the first one here. Uh, and this is, of course, uh, you know, Brian, as, again, is our sort of fictitious golfer here. He's, he's come into uh, your establishments here, and he's you know, maybe seen golf on TV or maybe tried it uh, you know, as an example. But now he's been out, and he's, he's tried it a couple times, maybe even several times, um, but has very quickly uh, come to the conclusion that he's not very good uh, and this is what we refer to as the consciously incompetent stage, when you start to turn down invitations and participate in activities to avoid uh, being embarrassed. They're not quite good enough yet to get out, maybe play in, in, a, in a, uh, a tournament or anything like that. So um, they're starting to sort of turn down or, or somebody will invite them out to play because they see them at the range and uh, they're not quite uh, at that stage yet. So for this uh, individual golfer, of course, this is the opportunity for them to really get their feet wet, uh, maybe buy some uh, instructional books, uh, tapes that are available through um, different uh, golf professionals out there, or maybe even sign up for some lessons. So um, 
Pete, I'm going to go back to you if, the, uh, if I will. Uh, this is sort of the thinking time. When you start to learn the techniques, we want to be able to help them to sort of master a little bit better the activity. So let's move them from stage one into stage two. What are some of the steps that we're going to look at? Well, I think you hit it pretty good there with, you know, trying to get them some, some videos so they can see, you know, some of the actions that are taking place. They can see a little bit of the game being played, um, you know, different books. Uh, you know, I, I go to one standard all the time. It's John Jacobs' Practical Golf. I think it's one of the most sound, fundamental, simplistic books there is, and I always make sure that any new player gets that book to read because it, it just gives them a good understanding of what's going on. But from playing the game, you know, I always like them to continue to watch, watch it on TV, watch what they're doing, see how they're moving around. And, and you know, just, just to get familiar with the different types of shots that are there. And then also, not only that, taking them around. And, and I, like to, I like to take them out on the golf course and, and play a few holes where they're just watching what's going on. Or a lot of times, I'll just put them in the cart and we'll go out on the golf course and just watch people play. And we'll describe the different types of shots they're doing so they can see them and hit them. And even though they've had some skill in doing some of these things, it's still good for them to see them in action, see what's going on, and, you know, watch people having success, watching them doing those. And it just gets them a, a situation where they think, you know, I can do this. Look, at this. you know, they're right around the green. They're knocking it up on the green. So I think from, from that stage, once, you, once you've had some time to, you know, hit a few shots and do some things, I think continuing to look at the game and, uh, you know, because there's a lot to it. I mean, it's not just, you know, you have putting, chipping, pitching, and those types of things, but, you know, then you've got to put them into action. So I, I think from there, right. getting them to to move themselves into some, some different types of books and, and videos they can watch and also watch the TV and, and, you know, just getting out on the golf course and, and seeing how it works, I, I think that will help right. them a bunch. Right. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, great, great uh, comments, by the way. Um, Mike, what about uh, how do we approach, uh, obviously, this this individual's receptive now they've they've played a couple times they're they're not really um comfortable quite yet uh they haven't played enough um they're still having some reservations so we want to we want to sort of draw them in a little bit and and as pete said you know we want to certainly get them to to watch some golf uh you know maybe on tv watch some of the professionals play and obviously the, you know that's going to be a little bit intimidating and daunting because they're 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 great uh well-rounded professionals but at the same time they might be able to pick up uh some ideas there but what about where where do we start with the game itself? How do we start? Do we start in, with the short game, uh, do you think, or do we work uh, basically on the fundamentals just to get them an idea of, of grip, stance, and all that uh, sort of thing? Or, or where where do we where do we navigate them so that we don't overwhelm them? As I said earlier. Well, first off, it's great that Brian came back for a second lesson, which is fantastic, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously we, we uh, flew through stage one and did a good job. Now, um, you know, when we're, when we're starting out, I, th- I think it is important to learn as much about the game as possible. Uh, just like you guys were saying, as far as books and things like that, I think it's really good to have discussion in, and I call it like a kind of the working phase, you know, right. We're working to build a game. Okay, so we're building, uh, and that's one of our hashtags with Mike Begoff is build your game. So we're building it up. So, you know, at this point, we're going to probably start shorter shots, getting into longer shots, things like that. And and that's part of, you know, the program that I run where they come back for a coaching program. And, uh, you know, over and over again, 
teaching them different things about the game. And, uh, you know, that's important. It's important to be able to be committed as well. This is where, you know, are we going to be committed? Are we going to just take one lesson or two lessons and be done? You know, um, success and failure is a huge thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I think taking them on the golf course and showing them success, like Pete was saying, was, was really important. I mean, it's terribly important to be able to, to show them that this game is fun and that's, that's what it's about. So, you know, going out there and, and building it up like that, I, I typically like to start students out closer to the hole because we have a better chance of success at that and having more fun because it's kind of cool. And then we build our game around that. Um, you know, still interviewing them, getting to know them more because you really don't know them much. You've only seen them once. You know, it's important. Right. Right. And and I think too, um and, and you both really have hit on this is is about the success part of it. Um obviously golf is, is uh gonna have a mixed bag of, of and no pun intended um but uh, successes and failures uh out on the golf course. And I and I like the I pr- the approach that you both have talked about and that is really um, starting in an area that's going to give them some successes or, or certainly more apt to give them successes right away. Um, for instance, getting them on the putting green, um, maybe starting with some short putts, getting them to, to work it into the hole, maybe some short chip shots, uh, uh, pitch shots, and things like that. Um, starting sort of a, what I would classify as a, an easier uh, area to, to in, include um, in, in, their, in their strategy, if you will, to um, have some success. I think if you start them off on the other end of the game where you're, you're hitting into the longer shots, as you talked about, Mike, um, initially it might be a little intimidating for some, especially for, for some of the newer golfers out there. And I think what the main thing that we want to do right from the get-go is um, giving them those opportunities to have some success right from the, from the beginning, um, which is ultimately going to build their confidence. And once their confidence starts to build, they're going to want to move to the next stage. Uh, do you guys agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think so. I mean, I, I, I would want more, right? Um, sure. You know, I, during this stage too, as well, I'm evaluating the player to find out what kind of learner they are. How right. do they learn better? Some people learn Absolutely. better through visuals. Some people learn better through feeling, all those kinds of things. So, you know, more time that we can spend with them, the better we can get as coaches, you know, to help them faster. So it's, yeah, confidence plays a big role in anything you learn, right? Once you get a little more confidence, you want to play more. Right, and 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 that really goes to what I'm what I'm getting at is I think that we want to do things, we want to create activities um, for our newer golfers, particularly because I think this is one of the things. And and Pete, I'm sure uh, as well as Mike have have seen this out there with uh, a lot of our newer golfers, particularly. Uh, it, it 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 looks difficult. It can be very difficult. And ultimately what ends up happening is if it's not approached or handled the right way, they, they tend to fall away, if you will, and, and not uh, continue on with the journey because it's, it's, it just looks too difficult or it has become too difficult. And I think this is one of the problems with starting um, maybe necessarily with the full swing right off the, the get-go is it, it's, not, uh, you know, it's not something they're going to see an awful lot of success early on uh, unless they happen to be very talented athletically. Uh, to begin with, and as you point out, Pete, maybe played at many other sports um, where they've had some successes and they have sort of a natural rhythm already built up where, they, where they're going to take advantage of that. All right, we're going to move into stage three, and this is um, probably one of the toughest stages 
Um, you know, Brian's sort of become aware of, of uh, how you can uh, uh, execute some of these activities. Uh, both Pete and, and Mike have have demonstrated some of the things that they're going to do. So, so Brian sort of uh, has has gotten some good information from both of these guys to start things off. And now it's time when practice becomes extremely important. And as uh, Brian starts to train his body and mind to work together and new ways to produce, uh, produce results uh, that he wants. Um, it's also a stage, as you uh, just alluded to there, Mike, as well, um, for feedback, uh, both positive and negative. So, um, Mike, I'm going to start with you on this one here. Um, this is an area where we want to ingrain some good, um, solid fundamentals, but we also want to uh, ingrain a, a good practice regimen, if you will, now that uh, that Brian has decided to um, you know, take up the game and, and pursue a little bit further. So let's talk about stage three a little bit um we've now got their we've now got them to bite the apple if you will how do we get brian into a good regiment uh through some of the programs that you offer yeah part of the you know outside of golf is life right i mean that's one of the things that you know is a big deal is being able to make time for yourself and i make a big deal about it with people you know this is for you this is for your enjoyment so we have to make time to get better at anything you know, it's just like I, I related to when you were in school, you studied for the test and you got better and you got better and you got really good and you got good grades. So this is kind of like that, this, this phase. So being able to schedule time to be able to get out there and work on your game is so important. Um, you know, and, and then continually working on it over and over and over again. And that's, you know, that's a big deal be able to have that commitment level at this stage. Um, some people, a lot of times they get to this stage and then they kind of fall off. Right. Um, right. I also use this stage to figure out how can we get you better? Right. Mm. What's going wrong with your game, game evaluation, things like that. And then, we, and then we can uh, just tackle those things to get you better. So. Well, and, and as I yeah, and as I point well said, thank you. Um, you know, as I said, this is one of the toughest stages because they, uh, you know, the golfer and again in our example here, Brian is um, somebody that that has has gravitated to golf. He's he's seen it or watched it. Um, now he's participated a little bit. He's uh, been out in the driving range a number of times. Uh, he's you know he's uh, practiced a little bit, and he's he's sought a, a teach professional or golf coach, if you will, depending on the level he wants to get to. Um, to, to help him. So, um, Pete, with lots of work and, and refinement, we're going we're gonna to get him comfortably uh, into stage three and, and prepared to go to stage four. Uh, he's starting to feel pretty good and uh, about this new activity. And what are some other things? Is this a good time maybe to reinforce uh, some of these techniques that we're teaching uh, with some, some good drills? Uh, what about that? What about some good drills to, to help him? Uh, go ahead. No question. Um, I developed for every one of my players, they have a workout routine and it encompasses every part of the game and they're given certain numbers of, of drills to do and repetitions and sets to do. So it's just like going to the gym. It's not a tough workout, but it's, it gives them an opportunity in each area of the game to get some repetition and to do those mm-hmm. things over and over again. And then also in those, for example, with putting and chipping, we build a game into it. So if you're going to go over there, you're going to do these routines, and then I want you to get 10 yards off the green. I want you to pick a pin and parse three. So you've got to get it up and in and three. And then right. once you move to pitching, we're going to back it up, and we're going to do it again. So we're going to make not only the routine of the workouts that they're doing, 
given the repetition, but we're also going to put some games in there so they can see some of that success of how they're playing. And I always want them when they're practicing as often as possible to play the shot all the way in. Now, obviously, when you're on the driving range, it's a little bit difficult. When you're doing the short game, um, I want them to play it all the way through. So if you're going to chip it on, go putt it. If you're going to pitch it on, go putt it. So you're always working at making that transition, and then they'll find, you know, if I hit it closer to the hole, the putts aren't as hard. Yeah, right. You're starting to figure that out, aren't you? Okay. Right. And so by by playing those games, they can get some good, solid, fundamental repetition in there. And you know, there's all kinds of experts that tell you, you got to have a certain number of reps before something you know becomes a habit, or you can change a habit. But I think it's just getting them aware of, you know, there is a little bit of practice involved, and you can see these things that you have to do. But it's also a little bit of fun too. Well, we're gonna have some fun while we're practicing, and so we're gonna make these things you know go all the way through. And I think when you do that and give them a clear sight of the different areas of the game that they practice, they can see how much time has to be spent in each area. You know, don't just, you know, hit 50 drives and drive past the putting green and expect to putt well. you got to be out there practicing these things so that they become more routine for you and you get more used to them, more comfortable. And I think that's going to lead them moving forward to gain, you know, not only some confidence, but they're going to they're gonna gain playing the game faster. They're going to get there right. quicker. Right. Uh, well said, both of you. Um, Mike, I want to come back to you. We're going to stay on stage three for, for another few moments here, um, and I'm going to give each of you a chance to respond to, to this next. Now, obviously, as I worked through stage one and two, we were talking about some of the new golfers coming up here, but the reality is there's a lot of golfers out there that have been playing for many, many years, uh, 10, 20, 30 years and beyond, um, who are maybe in the stage three or have been in stage three where they're practicing, they're out there playing, uh, working on their game, but they're still struggling. So now we've got this golfer. Um, uh, we're going to fast forward Brian a few years. He's he's now in his, his 40s, let's say, or, or crouching on 50. So Brian now comes to your facility. Uh, he's been playing golf for a while. He's no longer a newbie, but he's really struggling, and he's finding it really tough in this stage three, this practicing. He's, you know, he's been out there practicing, doing all kinds of things uh, to work on his game, and it's just not happening. How do we approach this individual a little bit differently in this stage of his learning? Um, how do we retrain, if you will, uh, or do we retrain? Mike, I'm going to start with you. No, I think having the general knowledge of the game is so important. So you can't really retrain, but you can refocus. You can change okay. the focus of what you're working on, too. You know, um, I I think it's important, especially as you get older, we have to, you know, I'm involved uh, with uh, TPI, I'm TPI certified and, and mm-hmm. being able to recognize limitations and things like that, that that's terribly important at this age as well. So mm-hmm. we do a lot of that uh, with our players, especially our winter program, where we work on those kinds of things to get you better. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to get you better at this stage too. I mean, they, it's infinite in a lot of ways. It's uh, this. This to me is the fun stage when we start getting players that have hit the wall. Well, what do I do? Yeah. And yep. you know, for me, it's a lot of fun because now all of a sudden we get to show them something probably they've never seen before, which is neat. Is this? Um, let me just follow up on that because um, you raised an interesting thought there. It, um, and, and you're right, it is a fun stage 
for um, the, the coaches and teaching professionals out there. Um, does it present, does this golfer present more of a challenge who has been playing for a number of years and maybe has ingrained some bad habits? Does this present more of a challenge? Um, and, and if so, what, uh, how do you handle that? I don't, I don't think it presents more of a challenge. I think, I think, you know, through things that we use like technology and stuff like that, I mean, just showing someone that they're aiming 30 yards to the right all the time, you know, and watch how much better they hit it. I mean, you know, it's things like that at this stage that change everything around. And uh, that's what I think is fun. Um, You know, showing someone with things like we have gears and stuff like that, how much better they can hit the ball if they move a little bit better with their body or whatever it is. Showing someone that they're aiming way left or way right or their ball position is – way too far back in their stance or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, the light bulb went on. If I can move my ball position farther forward, I can turn better. Yeah, whatever it is. They recognize that because they have such more knowledge of the game than, than the younger Brian, like you were talking about. Um, right. And they can fix it faster. That's right. That's the fun part. Yeah. Well said. Um, Pete, what about you? You know, we, we've got a, a, a little more seasoned golfer in, in age, and they've been out there. And I, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make it sound like they're they're uh, a senior quite yet, but uh, they're they're getting, you know, they're 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 up there. <laughs> they're they're not quite to my age yet, so I, God, I can't believe I'm getting close. But anyways, um, but you know, they they've been playing for a little while. They've they've had some struggles along the way, some challenges, as, as uh, Mike just alluded to. Um, is this you know, how do you handle a golfer in this stage, stage three, um, with the practice, with the drills and things like that, that maybe has had, um, you know, been self-taught and just not taught the right fundamentals, or maybe he's been watching too many of his buddies play who have never had a golf lesson either. Um, how do we approach this uh, individual in your sense? Well, it goes back again to an interview process. So even though they've we had the initial one. I'm going to interview him again, and I'm going to ask him, you know, what things do you do well and what things do you do poorly? What part of your game do you think is giving you the most trouble? Um, and then we start working into looking at the individual swing and saying, okay, now do you understand when you hit your shots, what you're doing, why the ball does what it does, and what you're doing to cause it? So we go into cause and effect. Do you understand the relationship between the club and the ball? What's happening here? And what is causing you to hit these shots? And just start going over some of the basic fundamentals of impact again to get them to understand what's going on. And, you know, that's something that you can never lose sight of. You know, John Jacobs told me the the last time I saw him, I said, if there's one thing I could remember from all the time I spent with you, what would it be? And he said, never lose sight of what the ball's telling you. And it's a great thing to to do because the ball's always going to tell you what's happening. It's going to give you a great understanding of what you're doing. And if you can get them to understand for them why the ball does what it does, what impact is causing it to happen, but how to fix it, that's the key. Now they have an understanding of, oh, now I know why I did that, and now I can correct it. There's nothing more satisfying for me than standing on the tee and somebody hits a shot and they miss it, and I'll ask them, okay, what happened? And they just spit back to me exactly what happened and what, what they need to do to fix it. And then they hit the next one correct. I mean, right. that's and I think- really what, what we should be giving them. 
Right, exactly. And I think the other thing, guys, too, is is you know, in a, in addition to a commitment um, to us, you know, to to be willing to allow us to to step in there and 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 work with them on on whatever capacity or level um, they're comfortable with. Um, but I think we also have to be willing and not afraid to ask for a commitment uh, from the golfer that we're working with. And and what I mean by that is is you know, I don't I don't want to sound like well, you know, you've we you've got to sign up for five or 10 lessons or, or else I'm not working with you. But I think what we need to do is they have to be willing to put a reasonable effort in uh, to their own improvement. In other words, they can't just, it's, it's kind of like this, you know, you can't just turn on something or watch something um, or expect somebody else to do something. If you're not willing to do your part uh, and, and, and I think we've all experienced this from time to time, uh, probably more often than not, um, where we'll work with somebody, you know, give them a, a number of lessons, teach them the basics and, and work with their game, take them out in the golf course, only to find out that between lesson today and maybe two weeks down the road when they're coming back for their next lesson, um, they've done absolutely nothing. Um, Mike, how do, we, how do we encourage them and how do we get that commitment from them? Uh, is this something, again, that we, we decipher through the, the interview process or, or is this something that we we do along the way by, by giving them those successes and making them want to get out there and work harder uh, at their own game, because they've seen some success through the trial and errors that we've, we've helped them with. Uh, Mike. I think you, yeah, you kind of have to do it both ways, Ted, you know, to, to, you know, getting golfers to commit to getting better. I mean, really it's just for them. Right. And, sure. and like Pete was saying, you know, giving them enough knowledge to teach themselves is so important. That's mm-hmm. how they get better. It's how you get better at anything when you have enough knowledge, right? So spending that time and putting in the work, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, I help people try and make a schedule in their busy lives, schedule time. And that that's what I do with them. And I make that commitment to them as well. Right. This is my time too. You know, it's not just you know them making that commitment. So it it goes both ways between the coach and the and the students. Yeah, and and that's a great point. I mean, you know, it, it is a commitment on both sides. Um, I think some of the frustration that I've seen, and and I'm sure both of you seen, and Pete, uh, you can certainly allude to this as well. Um, it is the, the lack sometimes uh, of commitment by the student. And, and obviously we understand with, with the um, other activities and other issues that they may be faced with in their personal lives that are drawing their, their attention. Obviously they may be uh, in, in a uh, uh, committed relationship or uh, what have you or family obligations um, can take them away sometimes. And, but we still need to find – so. What are some things that we can do, do you think, that we can encourage people? You know, this is a, a, a sort of bone of contention. Let me just stop you for uh, before you start here, uh, Pete. Um, one, one of the things I, I want to say this, I, I think, you know, there's there's been a lot of discussion over the last several years about handicaps, how uh, and what we should do to change it because maybe it's too hard and this is why they're not going down. But I think the truth is, and I think people have to be honest, I think we can only do as much as we can on our side. We're, you know, with technology and all of these great, wonderful tools that we've been given uh, and the knowledge that we've been given. But 
the, the consumers have to also be willing to engage uh, and, and make time, as Mike just discussed. So what can we do to, to, to what are things that we can do maybe differently than we're doing right now, if, if anything, uh, to get these people out there and, and making a better commitment, uh, not just with their financial side of things but, uh, and taking lessons, but, but committing their time? Well, one of the things I like to do with them is, is I'll say, okay, let's, let's fast forward a year from now. And you've had a great successful year at golf. I said, where are you? How are you playing? What's your handicap? You know, what, what position are you in a year from now? So tell me what that looks like. And they'll give it to me. I said, now let's back up. How do you suppose we get there? What are the things we need to do between now and then so that we can create that picture and get you to that goal of what you've seen a year from now? And so we start to look at it and start to say, okay, if we're going to get there, we're going to have to do X, Y, and Z. And this is going to take this amount of time. So right. what time do you have to commit to it? So do you have an hour a week to, to hit some balls in practice? Do you have two hours? Um, mm-hmm. you know, so we start to look at it from a, a fast forward going backwards so they can kind of see, yeah, well, I'd really like to be here. This is what I want to do. And then we come back mm-hmm. and go, right, well, here's what you're going to have to do to get there. And I think it helps them to realize that, number one, it's possible. Mm-hmm. I can get there. And number two, what I have to do to make that happen. So then they can say, well, man, I'd really like to play that way. And, you know, I, I can commit that much time. You know, I can make right. it work. And then if they, and if they don't have as much time, so well, now if you're only going to be able to do a little bit of time, we've got to make sure that we're focused, we're laser focused on the time we have and we're doing the right things. So let's practice the right things when you're out there to get you there faster. So I think, um, you know, that's really worked for me. I, I think they really enjoy it, and, and they sort of get to plan out their 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 next year for what they're going to do. And, um, you know, it's also fun, too, because we track it along, and as they start hitting those different spots, they were, said, how would you know I'd get there? I said, well, no, you, yep. you're the one who got there. You said it. It's your deal. I just sort of right. steered you in the right direction. I put you in the car, right. and I gave you a roadmap. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and obviously, and I'm going to move to stage four now. Um, this is where really all golfers want to be. Um, it's referred to as the unconscious uh, competence. Um, but let me just very quickly recap um, the other three. Um, stage one, of course, is for our new golfers, uh, particularly. Uh, actually, the first two stages are um, stage one is the unconscious incompetence. That's when you first sort of have been exposed to a new activity, in this case, golf, and you've decided that looks like something you'd like to give a try, but you obviously come to the realization that it, that it's not, uh, not always easy and, and requires a little more effort. Um, stage two, of course, is the conscious incompetence that you're now aware of the difficulties and challenges that you might be facing and, and, but are, are, are still uh, apt to want to be able to uh, get out there and give it a go. And uh, now you're ready to, to start to make a commitment in, in researching and looking, uh, connecting with the uh, great professionals like uh, uh, Mike and Pete on the show tonight. Uh, so that's the stage two. Stage three, you've, you've made your connections, you've gone through your interview processes, and you've had some discussions as to uh, what some of your, your short and long-term goals with golf are. And uh, now you, uh, Mike and Pete or, uh, or whoever you happen to be working with, uh, have sort of put a game plan together on, on how you to uh, how to achieve some of those goals, but stage four uh, is is where you've reached a point now. You've been playing for a while. Uh, stage three is very satisfying for you. Of course, you're you're able to go out and do some of the things that you've been working on, 
but it also is, is very tiring. And you want to be able to just go out there, and, and we've talked about this many times in the shows, uh, you know, you've been working on your game, doing that, but instead right now you, you just want to get out there and enjoy it. Uh, and, and these people are, are those that they're, they're truly good at the activity. Um, they spend most of their time in the stage four, sort of a euphoria, if you will, uh, and that's what we refer to as the unconsciously competent stage. And this is um, especially true for those golfers that are competing, whether it's in a golf tournament or uh, uh, some sort of uh, other event. And uh, this is the sort of the ultimate stage when it comes to learning. Uh, your concentration levels are very high. You're able to to uh, do things. And I'm going to give you a quick example here. And then, uh, Pete, I'm going to go back to you and then, and then Mike. Um, you're not really thinking about uh, most often when you're in stage three, you're, you're thinking about uh, focusing on the target and selection of the proper club. Um, but when you reach a stage four, you're, you don't have to think through the mechanics of the swing. You're thinking about these other things, but not so much the mechanics uh, on how to produce the shot. They sort of are coming more naturally uh, to this stage. Um, so what are things that we can do to help people move from stage three to get to this stage four? We want them to have fun, of course, but we want them to be able to not be thinking or overthinking. And this has become a big problem for a lot of people, especially people stuck in that transition. So, Pete, let's, uh, let's start with you. Well, one of the things I like to do is, is when I get them out on the range, we'll play a bunch of games with the types of shots they're going to hit. And, and I'm just going to say, okay, um, we're going to aim left of the 150 pole. I want you to fade a five iron in. I want you to draw one in. And just get them to start hitting shots without doing anything but just looking at the shot and hitting it. So they're not worried mm-hmm. about what's going on from a mechanical standpoint. They're just messing around hitting shots. And, and I think it helps them to, to realize that, you know, I can, I can do this, you know, pretty easy here. And we all know under the gun it gets a little bit more difficult. But you've got to be able to do it in that kind of stage and make it some fun uh, for things to do. I like to take them around the green. And, and when we're hitting shots around the green, I'll challenge them. So I don't want you to pick this ball up and toss it in there. You know, and just get them to start doing motions where they're they're really not thinking; they're just doing it. And you know, and then take the, the wedge or a nine or an eight. And so do the same thing. Come on, just just toss it in there. But trying to get them to just play shots and not worry about anything else but playing the shots. You know, and just take it and 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 hit those. So I think it helps them to, you know, to to bridge that stage, if you will, from you know trying to think about it all the time. And one of the things I always tell them uh, when, when they're going through all the drills that I'm giving them, they're doing all the exercises and they're complaining because they're having to do them. I said, you know what, this is, what this is doing is I said, when you go play golf, I want you to be brain dead when you play golf. Right. I want you to just play. By going through all of these stages of the workouts, it's creating that atmosphere for you so that you're just doing routine after routine, shot after shot after shot after shot, and before too long, you're just making shots. You're not worrying about it anymore. So that's what I mean by taking the I – ca- I call it their final stages. They play brain dead, and the next thing they know, they come in, and they, you know, they shot one of the best scores they ever did, and they can't remember a thing of what they did on the golf course, you know, of how they did it. They just did it. So right. that's kind of the way I like to run that. Right, exactly. Um, Mike, the, the uh, Brian's now – elevated in his game somewhat he's he's now coming to you as as um you're you're now his coach uh so you're going to be more involved in his his uh his weekly ritual if you will um we've often heard it on the tour you know they talk about players uh being in the zone um they've gotten to the point where they're not really thinking much about uh, as i said earlier technique or mechanics um they're just uh, coming to play the game in that sort of unconsciously competent stage as professionals um but 
even the best of them still have a swing coach or something. So uh, Brian's now come to you at this stage and, and now you want to work on implementing uh, some improvements or eliminating flaws uh, that may be still lingering around. So let's, let's walk through this stage um, with you, uh, Mike, if you will, uh, with Brian, who's now come to you for a little bit more of a commitment as a, as a swing coach. What are some things that you're going to work on here and help him uh, to maintain that high level? Yeah, now he's probably playing in golf tournaments, right? So right. it's, you know, starting to play in some golf tournaments. It's Now all of a sudden we're measuring ourselves against other players, you know, and also ourselves. So, you know, I kind of have, have this thing w- with these guys that I'm working with is that, you know, the, the studying happens out here at the learning center and, and the test is on the golf course. And whatever game you have, you have to bring it with you out on the golf course. So all the work is done here. So when we get on the golf course, we're worried about things that we can control, which is our mind, what we're thinking Mm -hmm. about, pre-shot routine, what club we're going to hit, worried about where the wind is coming from so we can hit a good shot, all these different things, playing the game, and not so much about where my club is in my backswing. Am I doing this drill correctly? Am I doing this, doing that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So playing and practicing, for me, I try and separate as far apart as possible so that we can play the game better. Um, It's so important to do that. Then what do you learn at this stage, right? What did you learn when you hit the wrong club from 150 yards over the green? What did you learn? You know, about yourself. Well, I learned that, you know, out of this lie, it was going to, it jumped on me out of the rough or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. How do we get ourselves better through not just, you know, scoring better, but shot by shot, what are we doing to, to make ourselves better so we can shoot the lowest scores we can? Even if they're playing in tournaments, even a higher handicapper, let's say we hit a bad shot. How do we accept that? How do we accept that it's a bad shot? What are we going to do right. with it when we go find it? How how are we going to recover from it? You know, sometimes par is, is a five or a six. That's our par for that hole because that's the way it is. You know, yeah. if we get lucky, we might make a five or a four, you know. So uh, understanding that, making scorecards for that, and it's just like, you know, making scorecards for the kids. You know, I, yeah. a lot of times with little ones, we're playing from the 100-yard marker or the 150-yard marker, and that's their par. That way we don't we don't get pooped. We, we can play, right? Right. And, uh, right. Like that with everyone. So being able to do that as a coach is so important to their success, them wanting to get better and continue to come back and play more golf. It's, you know, it's on, in our hands as coaches – to want that, you know, for our students. Well, and I think the key word that, that we've all said, uh, you know, throughout our careers is we want our students to have fun. And if it gets to a point where they're no longer having fun, and I think this is what's really caused a, a good number of people over the, the last uh, several years um, to sort of drift away or fall away from the game because it's become too challenging. I think one thing that, that we have to keep in mind uh, as professionals and as golfers out there, I think that you have to remember that the stage three and four are always going to work hand in hand. I'll give you an example. 
Um, when you're in tournament play, you want to be at stage four. You don't want to be thinking about mechanics. You don't want to be thinking about uh, you know any issues that you might have. You want to be in the moment. You want to get yourself into the zone, as they say. Um, but in a situation where there is work to be done, then you're going to revert back to stage three. This is the practice phase, if you will. You're going to work on uh, maybe, uh, for instance, Tiger. Uh, I'll use him as an example. Uh, over the course of his career, has made a, a number of swing changes with different coaches. Um, I can assure you that he was not in stage four during that process. Um, when he was in the tournament, he was in stage four, but when he was in uh, the moment of making swing changes or adjustments uh, uh, or removing elements of the swing that, that he felt was not in his uh, wheelhouse at that particular moment, he would revert back to stage three. So, again, we need to educate, I think, the golfers a little bit, and this was the purpose for the segment tonight, is to help people understand where they're at in their golf games and where they want to sort of strive to. It's not just about um, you know, hitting, uh, making solid contact all the time. I mean, obviously that, that's uh, a, a good goal to have as well, but it's not always realistic. So uh, in, in some closing thoughts, guys, um, uh, Pete, again, I'll start with you. Um, let's talk about uh, where we need to, to um, start with, with our golfers um, when they're first coming up to us and where we want, how we transition them to that stage four. Well, I think there's been a lot of great things talked about tonight, uh, you know, for starting them off. And, and, you know, to me, you know, scoring is one of the things that is premier in golf. So you got to start them off with, with obviously some things they can do, some success. And I think when you get them started with putting and chipping and pitching, keeping them around the green, as Mike said, and getting them uh, sufficient with those types of shots is a great way for them to start. And, you know, they, they get some success. They can see some of the putts going in, some of the chips getting close, some maybe some of them going in. But get them proficient around the green so they've got some contact. They're starting to get the ball up in the air. They're starting to make some little swings and then begin to bring them backwards from there and moving them into some pitch shots that go a little bit longer and then starting to talk about the full swing and, and how it works and, and what is necessary. I, I think one of the things I learned a long time ago that I've tried to give to everybody is, you know, every situation you get into, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to do here? My ball's sitting here. It's in a little bit of grass. The pin's over there. What are we trying to do? The ball's sitting mm. on a tee. There's a fairway out there. What are we trying to do? So if you can understand what we're trying to do first, what the relationship between the club and the ball is going to be next, and then from there, how do we achieve it? That way there's right. always a pattern to work through that they can see. There's always a pattern to move. And, you know, as you were saying there towards the end, you know, sometimes there are going to be shots in certain situations that you can't do. So you've got to mm-hmm. understand your limitations a little bit. You know, yeah, we'd all like to be able to pull some shots off, but, you know, at this stage of the game, that's not it. You know, if you're starting right. off new, may, maybe you go off to the course and you start from the 150-yard marker. Mm-hmm. Start there. Play your way in so you get used to being out there. Because I think one of the things early on that's really can hurt golfers from coming back is they, they – play too long of a course, it takes them too long, people are getting upset, it's taking too long to play, you know, and it yeah. really puts them in a bad situation. So I think getting them to understand the proficiency around the greens first and then backing them up so they can play, I think that will always help them to not only get themselves around the golf course, but I think they'll see success early, there'll be more uh, confidence in what they're doing, and I think it just teaches them how to play the game a little bit quicker. 
Right. And, and you know, something that my father did um, when I was a, a younger lad, much younger, of course, um, he took me to what they refer to as an executive course, uh, or now you might uh, refer to it as a par three course, uh, when he was first taking me out, because he knew, um, obviously, at that particular time, my skill level wasn't uh, you know, at its best. It, it was in so, sort of the, the stage one, stage two um, area of my life. And I knew, um, you know, that going out to, or rather he knew that going out to uh, a longer course uh, or, a, you know, taking me to the country club, so to speak, um, was going to be overwhelming for me at that stage because it was, you know, I wasn't going to be able to hit it far enough to, to really capitalize on anything. So he, he took me much like what you're suggesting, Pete, and, and Mike, you talked about as well. So, um, and, he, and he took me to this particular course to, uh, you know, instill some confidence that he knew I'd be able to reach uh, many of these par threes, certainly not all of them, but many of these par threes. And the ones that I didn't, uh, I could certainly get to them in two shots. And it was certainly rewarding. And, and instead of playing as a par three, we p- may have played it as a par four uh, course. Again, so it was a learning process for me. Um, Mike, what about yourself? Uh, obviously, again, you want to uh, take from stage one and get them to stage four. Uh, some quick thoughts on on uh, what we need to do to do that. Yeah, I mean every every person is different. You know, some of them advance a lot quicker than others do. Sure. Uh, we have to be you know cognizant of that. That's important. Taking them through those just like that, like you guys were saying, and and playing a golf course that they can handle, playing golf the way that they can handle it is really important too. Um, we all know, you You said it tonight, Ted, you know, the goal is fun. What's going to be yep. fun for them? Yep. So we got to think about that, you know, um, as we start, as we start learning and building our game, um, it's that, that has to be at the forefront. Otherwise you lose them, you know, you really do. Yeah. And, and I think you have to, um, you know, guys, I think you have to number one and first and foremost, is you have to assess very early on what their limitations are. And sometimes, uh, you know, I heard one of you, and I think it was Pete, that met, made a, a comment about, you know, asking them, you know, what areas that, that they're struggling with and that. Sometimes a lot of golfers, to be honest, really don't know. They don't really know where their weak areas are. And, um, you know, they might think they do, but a lot of times they, they even have difficulties really, uh, you know, uh, assessing what areas they need the most work. Sometimes it might be something completely different um, than what they, they first imagined. And uh, a quick fix over here might be the solution as opposed to reworking something over here. So again, I think getting a a proper assessment in the interview process, understanding, uh, you know, taking them out in the range and and getting a a true assessment of their limitations and then getting them out in the golf course as well and, and seeing where their fears lie. Are they afraid of being in the bunker or are they afraid, um, you know, uh, chipping these little chip shots, delicate shots around the green? Is that, or is it the first tee jitters that many golfers uh, suffer from? So learning some of these key areas that a golfer um, uh, suffers from and, and where they really need the most help with, I think is very early to assess their limitations right from the get-go because then it helps you build a platform to be able to move them through these different stages we talked about tonight. Um, Mike, I'm going to go back to you for a quick second here. We've only got a few moments left. Um, where can the, the listeners uh, reach out if they want to get in touch with you? Uh, what are some ways that they can reach out and, and learn more about Mike Fay? Absolutely. Uh, you can visit my website at mikefaygolf.com. Um, on there, there are four writers that write for the website all about different things like 
golf fitness and the mental game and golf instruction and uh, stuff like that and the rules, rules of golf too. We do a lot of videos and and, uh, articles on that with uh, Frank Costella. Then uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all at Mike Fagoff. Um, We also uh, run the Ask the Pro Show on Sunday nights at mm-hmm. 9 o'clock um, Eastern time on Twitter. Uh, so get involved, follow the hashtag Ask the Pro, and uh, learn some stuff. I've, I've certainly learned a lot of stuff over the last uh, five, six years we've been doing it. It's fantastic. Very good. And uh, that's definitely uh, some very sound advice. So for you listening out there, uh, uh, you definitely want to follow Mike and, and uh, the gang on uh, Ask the Pro on Twitter. Uh, great show. I've, I've tuned in a few times, and it's uh, very well well worth it. Um, Pete, what about you as well? Uh, how can the folks reach out to you? They can get me at plainsimplegolf.com. That's P-L-A-N-E for the plain, plainsimplegolf.com. Uh, all the information's out there on the website. We're gearing up for a, a big 2017. I've been uh, doing more and more online instruction, so you'll see the website sort of gearing towards that. Um, I've got, uh, you know, probably, I don't know how many countries now, but I get to it almost seems like daily I've got players from all over the world contacting me about getting some help. So we're sort of gearing in that direction. Um, and, you know, the technology today makes it uh, easy to do. Yep. And so we're going down that road with it. And so, um, you know, anybody, anywhere, any place, anytime, you know, can always get a hold of me. And if they have a question, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to answer it and uh, help them along the road with anything that I can. So, so that's how they can get get in touch. Perfect. Um, as always, guys, I want to thank you very much for, for giving of your time uh, on my show tonight, uh, Golf Talk Live, and particularly on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, great discussion tonight, guys, and, and it actually works. Uh, the discussion tonight actually works very well uh, with my next guest because we're going to be talking about uh, with Peter Willis, who's going to be joining me here in just a few moments. We're going to talk about people and relationship building tips uh, for growing your business. And I think one of the things that we kind of touched on without really spilling the beans too much is really about developing relationship between the instructor and uh, the students out there. And uh, it's not just a matter of taking golf lessons, but it's about really understanding and listening to the individuals um, that we're working with and understanding what their needs and what their goals and desires are, and then being able to help them implement it through our, our uh, uh, teaching uh, abilities and so forth. So guys, great job tonight as always. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, I look forward to having you guys back on the Coach's Corner. Thanks a lot. It's always a pleasure to be on. Thanks for what you do. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, you so Peter. much, Ted. All right. Take care, Mike. All right. Thanks, thank guys. You. All right. See you. Okay, that was my very special guest, uh, Pete Buchanan and Mike Fay, uh, here on the Coach's Corner panel on Golf Talk Live. And as I mentioned, uh, we're going to transition into the second half of the show uh, with my very special guest, uh, Mr. Peter Willis. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Peter before we, uh, before he comes out. Uh, for those of you that didn't tune in last week, of course, uh, was the first part of a two-part series. Last week was seven. Uh, tips to grow your golf business. We talked about some different things. We're going to recap that here in a, in a moment or two. Uh, but tonight is the second half uh, of that uh, uh, two-part series. And we're going to talk, as I just alluded to, we're going to talk about in part two, people and relationship building tips for your business. So part one, if you didn't get that, uh, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live after the show uh, and listen to part one of the series, which was seven tips to grow your golf business. 
Uh, and of course, uh, you're listening live, so you can listen to um, uh, people uh, part two, which is people and relationship building tips uh, for your business. We're going to talk about uh, building those relationships and why they're important, and uh, and we're going to of course tie it all in with the uh, with the golf industry and that uh, as well. But uh, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, my guest coming on here. Uh, as I said, he was on last week, but for those of you that didn't uh, maybe hear the program, uh, Peter Willis, of course, is the president and founder of the Willis uh, organization. And uh, Peter works with business owners and business, uh, businesses in the golf industry to help them improve their overall sales performance. Uh, his mission is to support and help individuals and teams achieve their uh, personal and business goals and grow the game at the same time, and he's done that very well. Uh, he achieves this uh, mission as uh, president and founder, as I said, of the company, of the Willis Organization. And over the past 25 years, Peter has worked with a wide uh, range of clients, entrepreneurial businesses, startups, individuals, and larger companies. Uh, here's a few just to name. Uh, Konica Minolta, Shell Oil, Motorola, uh, Philips, Sharp, and Herman Miller. Uh, but before establishing the Willis Organization, he uh, had a, a varied uh, career. He began his selling uh, career well, in public education, but quickly moved to the corporate world, first with Xerox and then with Lanier, and then he moved on to Price Waterhouse Coopers. Uh, there he held a number of sales, uh, sales and operational management, marketing and training positions, uh, gaining uh, all the experience that he needed uh, to be able to strike out in his own business. Uh, because Peter believes so strongly that increasing sales is key to business growth and improved uh, performance, uh, he and his team at the Willis Organization recently created and introduced a new online product, uh, go for the Green Selling Challenge, which uh, we're going to tie that in a little bit later in the show as well. And it links the fun of golf to selling in a whole new way. Uh, with the challenge, users learn uh, to improve their selling skills in practice and then head off to play and test their selling skills on a virtual golf course. So without any further ado, let me welcome my back uh, for week two uh, on Golf Talk Live, my very special guest, Peter Willis. Peter, welcome. Thanks, thanks so much, Ted. Great to, uh, great to be back with you. And and uh, thanks well, so much for for having me back on the show. Well, I appreciate it, Peter. And and as we we've talked about many times uh, leading up to the this series, um, you know th- these are areas that are, I think are very important. And we're going to recap a little bit of last week for those that that didn't get a tune in. But again, for those of you that that didn't get a chance to hear last week, I definitely want you to go back. Uh, don't do it now, of course. We want you to stay tuned for this part. Um, but listen to it at, at your convenience. All the shows, of course, are auto-recorded, so you can go back and listen to it when it's convenient. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and just scroll down to the on-demand section and you'll see the recorded uh, version of, of last week's show as you will for this show as well uh, a little bit later. Um, but let me just um, – let's give a, a quick recap, Peter, if we can, of, of last sure. week's uh, show. Um, why don't you just run through very quickly some of the, the, uh, the uh, discussion that we had last week. Great. Love to. Uh, first of all, I want to comment on Coach's Corner. Uh, I really enjoy that segment of the show, and I always come away with some great tips. Tonight's learning tips were fabulous, and, and I'd be short-selling if I didn't acknowledge that, Ted. They, those guys really do a great job. I'm, I'm really in great company with Pete and Mike tonight. Uh, yeah, on last they, week's show, they do a great job. Oh, they sure do. On, on last week's show, you'll recall we introduced the seven tips for increasing sales mm-hmm. to grow our businesses. And during that, as you'll recall, uh, and your audience will recall, Ted, we talked about how to prepare and plan, then make sure that we had our goals in place. We also Mm -hmm. talked about asking the right questions, listening and learning, then selling the benefits of our business, and then getting a commitment to action. 
So as you said, tonight we're going to build on those tips and connect them into tips for selling people and business and building relationships in our businesses. And, and the tips will work for anyone wanting to take their business to the next level, uh, whether that's in or outside golf. Right. I want to have a, a chance to make a few comments uh, about people. And, and I know mm-hmm. in the Coach's Corner segment, we spent a lot of time talking about relationships with people. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, Pete, Pete and Mike did me a big favor to set me up a little bit there, which I really right. appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> so, but really, in terms of people, when, when we do business in the golf industry, uh, we really all know how important the people component is to growing our businesses. And, right. and that's really because the golf world, as you and I know, Ted, is so deeply personal. You know, people buy from people in every business, and I've always found that when we put people first, selling yep. is a whole lot more interesting and a whole lot more fun, which you were talking about in Coach's Corner as well. Right. There, uh, people's personalities, I, I, find, I find this, and I know you do too, probably in your, your selling mm-hmm. efforts. People's personalities, their behaviors, their actions and reactions really serve to test our knowledge and our skills. And working with people keeps us excited about what we do in our business. And let's be honest, that excitement gets shared with customers and gets shared with people that we're trying to sell. And really, excitement uh, about a business idea probably is, and I know it's the case in my situation, why most of us got into businesses in our first place. Right. Um, So to, to put people first when we're selling we'll want to get to know our customers as people on their terms so we Mm -hmm. can engage them personally and do this before selling the value of our products and services. And the obvious result is when we do that, buying decisions and business growth happen. Right, exactly. Go ahead, Ted, sorry. Well, what I was going to what I was going to very quickly add to that is there's a reason why you know building these relationships first um, is is so crucial. I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make in, in in sales in general is they come out with the product and and they're sort of pushing their products or services uh, very quickly without really getting a chance. As we talked about, as, as you pointed in the coach's corner, you know I think it's important for the coaches to really understand and, and qualify. Uh, the individual that's sitting across from them and understand what their needs, wants, and desires uh, be as far as learning how to play the mm-hmm. game. And I think mm-hmm. if they, you know, sort of, and as I said, when we talked about the stage one uh, golfer who's di- maybe had a little bit of exposure out there, um, if they're suddenly, you know, grappled or, or overwhelmed with, with signing up for a bunch of lessons before they've really had an, an idea of what they're getting themselves into, uh, I think can be very overwhelming. And I think this is why it's important for businesses and particularly in the golf industry, why building these uh, personal relationships are extremely important. And we're going to talk about some of the reasons um, why that's not happening in today's uh, business world. Uh, go ahead. Right, right. No, no problem. Um, let's let's move on to the tips about selling people. Um, the tips we're going to talk about tonight, at, as you know from last week's show, those of you who tuned in are quick, they're easy to understand. And they work no matter what our business is or where we do business and whether we're selling in a face-to-face way or virtually. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the tips, as you and I discussed, Ted, are, aren't new, but they're great reminders. And the tips mm-hmm. we're going to talk about tonight are all about why, why people buy, who they want to buy from, 
and how they want to be treated when they do buy. And I think right. those are all key elements of what we're going to talk about. So we'll maybe move on to tip one. And I know you and I are going to get back and forth on a lot of these because I know you've got some sure. very strong beliefs on some of these tips <laughs> because we've talked about them before. Um, right. Tip number one, uh, people buy from people who care about what they do and right. who are knowledgeable, and here we go again, and excited about what they're selling. Right. And I really think, I really think that caring about what you do, um, having that knowledge of what you're selling, whether it's a product, a service, and building that with excitement is a great way to start. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that you have to you, you have to have you have to sort of put yourself and we're, we're going to talk about this. So I don't want to jump ahead, but, you know, you have to sort of put yourself in the customer's shoes for a little bit uh, in your approach. And, and again, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, when, when that uh, comes up in, in the next uh, part of the tip. But um, I, I want to I want to just sort of emphasize this again, what I was talking about earlier in Coach's Corner. Uh, I, I think what, what's happened and, and we've talked about this off air, actually, um, one of the things that I've noticed uh, in, in certain areas of the golf industry, particularly with some of the golf course out there, and this could be part of the reason why um, some of them have not uh, seen the revenue flow that they would like, is they've got this sort of open door policy where they open the doors in the morning, fling them open, and wait for customers to come to them. And they're not mm-hmm. really engaging mm-hmm. with, with the community. They're not out there you know, engaging with the, the local community. And uh, it's not just about, you know, again, slashing price, or discounting prices on the golf course that has its place as well um giving discounted tea times tea time excuse me but if you're constantly doing that and you're not engaging with your customers um you know eventually they're going to move on they're not going to feel very welcome so yeah you want to be engaging with your customers and you want them you want to get to know them a little bit and find out what their uh aspirations are and, and talk to them have a conversation with them it doesn't always have to be about golf um, but you, you want to have a conversation, get to know the individuals, uh, and you want to obviously be excitable uh, to a point where they see that you're enjoying what you're doing. You're not just waiting for them to, mm-hmm. to book their tea time. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, that's certainly a big understanding, and, and understanding them and their needs. What are their needs? They want to obviously get out and, and have enjoyment at your facility, or they want to maybe, in the case of a coach or teach professional, they want to learn to play the game better. So we need to understand what their desires and goals are um, in our discussion. Great, so great. that's important. Go okay, ahead. Let's move on to te- okay, let's move on to two. Uh, tip two. People buy from people, especially people who make themselves easy to buy from. We all know there's a huge emphasis out there today on technology and process that are yep. designed to make us easy to buy from. There's CRM, there's data, analytics, and lots and lots of software and apps. And I'm not certainly putting any of these down. They can be useful and they can be practical in building our businesses. However, uh, a slight word of caution. Sometimes all this technology can get in the way and come Mm -hmm. between us and our customers. And it's important that we work to solve this. and, And by way of solving it, I think we probably need to make some choices and focus only on those tech tools that are most useful to selling our customers and growing our particular business. And then forget about the rest. Because after all, technology and process 
really don't sell our products or services. We mm-hmm. do. Right. And, and that, you know, that, that's a great point. And, and that was, I knew that we were going to get into this about technology. And, and, and again, there's two areas that I want to talk about real quickly here, and then we'll, we'll continue on. Um, in the case of, of golf instruction, um, technology is a great tool. Uh, it's, it's one that any uh, and every instructor needs to have in their repertoire uh, to help their students. But they can't rely solely on those tools. They also have to have that interpersonal relationship because the, one of the dangers in, in the case of teaching um, is that if they rely solely on the tools and there's no sort of personal interaction, it's all based on you know hooking you up to monitors and so forth all the time, what ultimately ends up happening is there becomes a disconnect. People don't feel valued, uh, mm-hmm. much like in the, in the case of selling. Um, you know, there's lots of great tools. I, I'm not going to lie and say I haven't gone on and, and bought something through Amazon.com. Uh, it's a great, uh, a great place to get something. But I still want to go and interact with somebody and learn about the product. I mean, I can certainly research it, and there's lots of great ways of doing that, and that's one of the wonderful things about technology. You can do your own research. But I still want to know from somebody, you know, their experience, what, what it was like when they used that particular product, they get enjoyment out of it and how it worked for them. Uh, and obviously in the, in the golf business, I don't want to go, uh, and if I was taking a lesson, I don't want to just sign up for a lesson online without really getting to know the instructor a little bit, who's, who, you know, what their mm-hmm. personality is like. Are, are we going to click? Are we going to mesh? Uh, or are we going to be like gears grinding? So uh, technology certainly has a place in the use, but as you said, there are some cautions that we have to be aware of. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe some, maybe let's point out a couple of other uh, cautions or, or uses, if you will, uh, about technology that we need to be guarded for. Well, I, I think the real thing here is that we've we've got to take we've got to take a look at it and really analyze what works best for our business. And mm-hmm. there's so many choices. We've really got to think this thing through. Which tools are going to look after? Some of the processes that we've identified that are maybe slowing down our business or not giving our business the focus that it really needs, and those are the ones we're going to embrace. Uh, and, it's, and it's an ongoing situation, as you and I both know, Ted. There is yeah. so much technology coming on stream almost weekly or daily that we really have to take a, a strong, long look, stand back, and make specific judgments as to the ones that are really going to improve all of the elements of our business. And as I said earlier, we, we got to look at at it, our business uh, is is such that it has its own unique characteristics and its own unique qualities. So let's fit out of this big barrel of technology. Let's fit the ones that work best in our business, and most importantly, work best for our customers. Right. And, and I think the other thing, too, that, that – and I know this is kind of moving down the, the food chain here, but uh, one of the other things I think that why it's important to have personal interaction uh, with people, and, and I'm going to use it in, in, a, in the case of a golf course um, and, and instructors. I'm going, to, I'm going to take it from that standpoint, if you will, just to, to keep the golf theme in here, is as an instructor, people have to uh, – obviously, first and foremost, they have to like me. Uh, they have to have a, a personal connection with me. But they also mm-hmm. have to respect and trust um, what it is that I do, uh, not just, you know, hey, I'm a golf professional. They need to be able to feel confident that, one, I know what I'm talking about, and that I'm going to be able to help them with their problem, uh, whatever that might be. 
And mm-hmm. I need to mm-hmm. be, a good, as we talked about last week, one of the things I need to be able to do is I need to be a good listener. I need to be able to listen to their concerns uh, and difficulties or struggles they may be having out in sure the golf do. course. So mm-hmm. as, as a golf professional, that's one way. What about so? Now you've worked with a lot of golf courses. Um, what are some of the things that uh, you've experienced in dealing with golf courses that maybe um, they need to focus on when it comes to people? Well, I, I think that that courses really have to work to understand people and and what it is that they're needing and wanting of the course. And mm-hmm. and in order to do that, we really got to once again think our way through this and take a long look uh, about the the customer profile that our course is targeting. Yeah. Uh, the peop- Let's really understand so that we can put together the plans, the strategies, what works for our following at our course. What are their needs? What, what are the profile needs? What are the requirements? What are some of the attitudes we're sensing, we're hearing at the course? What are some of the likes that they have? What are some of the dislikes they have? And then once we've done that, we can kind of we can kind of put that together as a meaningful target profile for our customers uh, at at the course. And and I think that that is is really important. You touched on it earlier, Ted, and you're absolutely right. Um, we need we need to really understand the folks that we're serving, and. Yep. Most importantly, we need to understand what their needs and requirements are. And that way, once we have those, we can be a whole lot more effective. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of tools out there, again, that can help us with that. Um, right. There's a lot of social media channels and LinkedIn can be, can be great first steps in understanding our customer better and understanding their needs. And then right. it comes down to what you said earlier, and it's the personal contact that really has to be there whether it's a tech whether it's a tech program whether it's a software program <clears throat> we need and our customers need that personal contact because let's be honest there's nothing more personal than golf uh, right and and so that whether we're we're c- connecting with these people and trying to understand them better um, in a face-to-face at the course whether it's an email phone or text we still have to work to really understand them better. And I, and I think there's a big payoff here when we do, because when we mm-hmm. take the, the time to learn as much as we can about our customers uh, and really what they want and what they're looking for from us, we'll get their buying commitments uh, a whole lot faster. And, right. and, equal, and equally important, uh, we're going to build our businesses faster <clears throat> because we've taken the time to really understand them really understand their needs, do the, the hard work that's necessary to put together programs and put together policies and strategies that are really going to be winning ones uh, by listening, as you said earlier, by listening to the needs of the folks we're serving. Right. I, I want to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to bring in just a, a couple of points that are, I know are, are in, uh, yes. in line here. That I think that, that need to really be focused on. Um, the first one is um, we need to make sure that we make them feel important, and mm-hmm. we also need to provide them with a memorable buying experience. And I'll give you a good example. Um, one of the one of the things that I've noticed, and this certainly transcends with many business, but even in, within the golf industry, is that people need to feel 
um, that they're unique to a point. And what I mean by that is many courses for a long time were shuffling people through in order to get as many people through as possible to play rounds of golf, um, much like cattle. Uh, in other words, mm-hmm. they were just another number, and the, and the, and the problem is it wasn't a, they weren't getting a memorable experience for their money. Now, obviously, you know, they're trying to be mindful of slow play, and you know, they've got to keep people moving in that. But there seemed to be a, a, a rush to a point where, mm-hmm. where people were constantly, you know, you had, I mean, I say this jokingly, but it's true. Um, you know, quite often you would see the marshal sitting in the golf cart in the background waiting for you to hit your shot. And for a lot of amateurs out there, that's a very intimidating, you know, for maybe a golf professional that's played for a long time uh, and, and, and understands, uh, you know, a pair of eyes watching them, it's not a big deal. But for some of these amateurs out there, and, and it goes to the point, again, as a customer, you want to be made to feel important. You want to make feel that, that you know, my 45 or my 60 or $75, whatever it happens to be for the green fee, is just as important as the next guy's. And if they're feeling like they're rushed uh, or that they're not being treated uh, with a certain amount of respect uh, or courtesy, uh, they're not going to have a memorable buying experience, and they're not going to likely come back to that golf course. So, you know, that's something that I think courses and business owners uh, of golf facilities need to be mindful of is, yes, we want to be able to increase sales and that, but there are other ways uh, of increasing that revenue without compromising um, the customer's enjoyment. Absolutely. I, I totally, totally agree. And I, and I think that uh, in terms of making folks feel important and special, that really follows from understanding them better. And those two really, really fit, fit together. Uh, they, they, they making, uh, making the, the customer feel important really does follow from understanding them and, and really getting to know them as people. I go back to uh, we talked a lot about that in the coach's corner tonight. Uh, yep. This personal approach, uh, m- making sure that things we do are individualized because yes. people want to feel that they are special. We all want to feel that way. When we, sure. want, when we, go, out to, we, when we go out to do business with people, uh, we want them to make, make, make us feel special. Uh, and, and if they do, we're going to return and we're going to come back again. And I've seen this many, many times in my own experience where I've dealt with a supplier um, who was wise enough in the way he or she approached me. They were wise enough to, first of all, understand me as a person, then understand what it really was that I wanted or needed from them. And boy, they delivered it, and they delivered it quickly, and and you came away from that situation, as you said, feeling that you'd really had a positive and a memorable buying experience. And it was all because they did the first two so well, understanding the needs and then making me feel important and special. So you're absolutely right. Those things are, are very, very important. And I think the other point, where you were talking about the intimidation factor with being mm. crowded on the course and too many eyeballs on you when you're not quite comfortable with your game yet. Uh, that's, that's the fastest way to create the other side of making people feel like they are freight being moved through uh, a track right. or being moved through, <laughs> moved through a railroad car or something of that nature. Um, these things are really, really important. And, and when we come talking about people, um, 
the golf the golf environment really drives home this need for understanding people well and then providing the personal touch and the personal approach to really make sure that they return and and as you said really enjoy the experience uh you know what 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 can be more memorable than playing a great round on a golf course that you love that has big challenge and is real quality and right. and those folks out there who are building their course businesses as you and I both know Ted are the ones that make it memorable from the moment as you said from the moment you walk into the club you you, you can almost feel it and, and you can almost feel the other side of it as well uh we've both been in we've both been in category A and category B but i'm yeah. a big believer when you walk in the door you're called by name you're you're feeling special uh, when you go to lunch, the bartender has whatever your your drink is ready to go, calls you by name. Um, he remembers what, what it is that you like. Um, he probably, uh, he and all of the other folks at, at the course uh, are probably going to engage you, as you said earlier, in conversation. And sure. the ones that do this well will be, will be chatting you up and recalling information from the last time you visited. Uh, right. I, I, uh, I, I really think that this is, I'm, I really think that making people important and special is so, so critical. Um, and, and you've covered that very well it, and, and also tied it together well with making sure that they're getting value and a positive and memorable buying experience. And we can really, we can really make that happen. You know, one other thing, uh, Peter, one other point I want to make uh, with respect to technology that I think that there there is uh, another danger. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously in this te- technological age, I mean, we need to have a, a, a presence in social media. I mean, we need to have a website. We need to have, um, you know, other ways of communicating. But I think one of the dangers that we have to be careful of is that we don't rely solely on the, that form of communication with our customers. It's really, for instance, in a mm-hmm. website, you know, it's really meant to be a landing page and a place for information for people to get an understanding of what it is, whatever products or services that you have to offer. So in the case of a golf mm-hmm. course, of course, you want to have a website present. You want people to see images of the golf course and say, hey, that looks like a great course. And, and obviously, we're, we're talking about non-private courses here for the moment because obviously private courses, uh, they're certainly going to have a website pre- uh, presence, but you know, that's going to be more uh, in line with their, with their members and that. But um, maybe some sure. of their great resort courses out there, they want to have um, a, certainly a visual appeal. Um, they want to be active in other social media, whether it be Facebook or Twitter, um, letting people know some of the great offers that they have. But as you said, when you step through that door of that great golf resort, wherever that happens to be, um, you want to make sure that the staff are engaging, that they're welcoming you to the facility, that exactly. they're telling people um, some of the great things. And, and this is why, and, and I'm going to, again, jump ahead a little bit um, uh, no down here, do. talking about understanding people and, and building these relationships. Um, this isn't just for the golf courses. This is for, uh, and I, so, so I was going to talk about this as well. Um, for those of you out there that maybe don't necessarily work in the golf business, but maybe you have a business and you've thought about maybe getting out there and, and using golf as a business tool. Golf is a phenomenal. In fact, it is the um, key or prominent business tool uh, in the world. There is none better out there than uh, out in the golf course. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, let's take this scenario for, for some of you entrepreneurs out there. Um, 
some of you may have already done it. Some of you may not have considered doing this. And it doesn't matter what your skill level is. Um, you're going out there to have fun. You're going out there to engage people. If you think about a, your traditional sales call, Peter, you're lucky if you've got 15, 20 minutes um, to engage a, a prospective client or customer um, uh, on an appointment. Uh, depending on how it goes, you might get a little bit more. But initially, an initial sales call. But if you invite a prospective golf, uh, a prospective uh, client or customer out to the golf course to play uh, a round of golf, you've now got a captive audience for the next three to four hours, depending on you know what uh, you sure length do. of time that you're going to play. Um, you're never going to get a better opportunity, and that's why so many Fortune 500 companies uh, virtually insist on their executives playing golf. It's not just out there to go out and have fun. I mean, obviously they want them to have fun, but they, it's it's a great way for them to engage their customers or potential customers uh, out in the golf course. It's also a great way to reward. Uh, repeat customers by inviting them to play. And one of the things that you can also do uh, through golf as a, as a startup entrepreneur is uh, if you don't want to have uh, four hours to, to kill, uh, you can contact a local golf professional, work out a, a partnership with him or her, and do something like this. Uh, encourage them to organize a golf clinic. So instead of just taking mm-hmm. one or two mm-hmm. uh, customers out there, you can now take uh, maybe five to ten prospective customers, and I would suggest taking one that's currently a customer and doing business with you that can maybe talk about their business relationship with you. So that's a great sounding board as well. But take them out and let the golf professional maybe put together a one- or two-hour clinic, depending on what time frame you have. And you may even, depending on your business, may even want to foot the bill. Um, for that particular venture, because it's a great way great to, develop rela- great to develop relationships. And there's guys out there certainly doing it, but there's a lot of guys out there that maybe haven't thought of doing this. And this is a great way to build a network and relationship with your customer. And you're also, as I talked about earlier, Peter, you're re- you're reaching out to your community uh, as a golf professional mm-hmm. uh, to some of your your business uh, uh, folks out there, and and encouraging them to bring some of their clients to the golf course. Yeah, I was I just to, to hitchhike on what you've said, Ted. I, I was talking with a marketing consultant uh, the other day, and and he made a very very key point that I think is is worth bringing in here. He said, you know, people are so fed up with being cooped up in offices. If you yep. can just get them into an outing situation where they can go out, have fun, be with their team workers, their team members and enjoy the day and have some fun in the best environment there is, the golf course, mm-hmm. we're going to see a whole lot more productivity and we're going to see a whole lot more results. And, and he, it was an interesting conversation because we were trading selling ideas back and forth. Uh, I've known him a long time and I respect his judgment when it comes to marketing. But I thought his comment about so, so much of our work now is done in a very tight, workspace with equipment and software and he said people are just climbing up the wall to get out of that environment because they find it so confining solution let's plan a just what you said ted let's plan a golf outing let's get them out on the course throw in uh throw in a lunch and some fun and, and some competition maybe uh, mm-hmm. And uh, let's really enjoy ourselves in, as you said, uh, the best in possible environment there is. A fun outing to get you out of the office, I think, is a, is a wonderful idea, and, and it kind of blends in with what you were talking about earlier. 
Well, and, and, and again, just to add a little bit to this, you know, one of the reasons why I feel, uh, you know, obviously I enjoy and love playing golf and I love teaching golf, but I think that there is a real opportunity for a lot of businesses. And, and, and here's the, the thing that I think a lot of people un, uh, don't understand is they think that they've got to be, you know, a scratch player or they've got to be a very low handicap golfer. No, you just have to have a willingness to want to go out and have fun. And even if you're not the greatest golfer, clients don't care. Because I guarantee you, most of them are not uh, the greatest golfer either. Um, so they're going to be a little bit nervous and, and uh, you know, maybe a little bit uncomfortable at first. So, you know, be honest about it. Say, hey, you know what, I'm not the greatest golfer, but hey, let's go out and have a, a couple of hours and, and uh, you know, maybe just play a quick nine and get to know one another. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and here's the thing, too, that I would caution a lot of people. Um, you know, when you get out to the golf course, one of the worst things that you can do is just jump right into business. Get out there and talk. Uh, you know, for the first, uh, you know, 30, 40 minutes, uh, get to know one another, you know, talk about, find out what, what he or she uh, is interested in outside of their business. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, personal side, personal again, di- right. again personal bet. side, that's developing that relationship. And then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe when you get to around the turn, depending on if you're playing a full round, um, you know, then you can talk a little bit more uh, about what you can do or, or offer some suggestions on maybe you, how you can improve um, you know, their business or whatever the case may be. Uh, if, if you're selling a product, you know, you can talk a little bit about product, but one of the biggest mistakes, Peter, that I've seen with a lot of people um, in and out of the golf business is that they, they, they get their, their customer or potential customer in there and right away they're, they're in with the hard sell. And, mm-hmm. you know, as well mm-hmm. as I do, as soon as that happens, the blinders go on, the ears shut, and people are, you know, they're looking for the exit because um, mm-hmm. they don't want it. Um, and that goes back to making people feel important, make them feel like they're, you know, that, that they're not just uh, a number uh, or a, a purchase order, that they're, they're, they're human beings. And I think when you build those relationships, um, you know, that comes through very clearly and people are more apt, as you said, there, there's a trust that gets built and there's a familiarity that gets built between you and your customers, uh, you know, out on the golf course. There sure is. And I, I want to pick up on that word trust because you've mentioned it a couple of times and, and it is sure. so important in, in dealing with people because people want to do business with, with people that, first of all, they can trust. And along with that, they want to do business with people that they like and they respect. Um, you know, th- these qualities are often hard to find today. Um, mm-hmm. And, and when, we, when we can show them live, either on the course or, or in, in our businesses, we, we, we tend to automatically differentiate ourselves from all those who, who, don't, uh, who don't exhibit them. Uh, and and I, always, I always like to think that if people like you, and respect you and they trust you as a person, not with what you're selling, as you made the point earlier, if they like you, respect you, and they trust you, you start to really enjoy a whole new role or a whole new status. Uh, you, you almost become a, a trusted and a respected advisor to the folks yes. you're doing business with. And, 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 and if you can do that, uh, business just has to flow and results just have to follow. It is an, an almost an automatic. Um, yep. And, and, I, and I think if, if, if you, we really want to wrap up these, these tips, uh, I like to use a, a quick way that 
that we can remind ourselves to make sure that we do keep the focus on people. And it's mm-hmm. just simple. Uh, you know, just try switching roles for a moment and, and think like a customer. Right. Because when we're customers, when we're the customer looking for products or services that are important to us, you know, don't, don't we want to buy from people who get to really know us and engage us, as you said earlier, sure. Ted, who care about what we need instead of just selling us whatever their product or their service happens to be? Well, the answer is pretty obvious. Of course we do. Sure. And, and when we do switch roles, it's really easy to see our customers as people just like us. And that builds that like factor and respect factor I talked about with you a, little, a moment ago. Um, and, and that in itself, uh, this role switching, if you will, automatically puts people first. And, and, and it, as you said earlier, not only are we putting people first, but we're at the starting blocks now to build the positive customer relationship with them. Right. And I think, you know, personal experiences are a great thing, um, you know, as well. I think that a lot of, uh, for instance, golf professionals that are maybe um, working at, at a golf course and they're promoting their facility, um, people want to have a, an idea of what kind of experience they're going to have. And so it's yeah. kind of nice to hear, hear from other customers, not certainly – um, and, and, you know, we've all seen product endorsements. We've all seen, uh, you know, um, uh, testimonials and things like that. And they're certainly good. But, you know, at the same time, I want to know what kind of experience I'm going to have when I go to that person's golf course. I want to know, um, and, and I maybe have a more skeptical eye because I'm within the industry, so I know kind of mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. But, um, again, I want to know when I walk through the door. I mean, obviously, if I'm, uh, you know, if I was playing at a private facility or something, I would hope that they're going to remember who I am. But, um, but if I'm at a resort course or something like that where they're, you know, literally having thousands of people come through, um, and this is my first time experience with them, um, you know, I want them to make it the most memorable that they possibly can. And, you know, sometimes there's going to be a hitch here and there that's going to happen. Um, but I'm going to watch to see how they react to that. And that, again, goes to the, to the personal experience. Um, and, and I think that how they treat me and how they uh, respond to, to my concerns or needs um, helps to, to add to that trust value. Yeah, I, no, no question about it. I, I had a great conversation the other day with, with a teaching pro, and we were tossing around some selling ideas. And uh, as I looked at his, as I looked at his website, uh, I could see that he had captured beautifully, showing visually on his website what he could do to ensure a fun and enjoyable experience if people were coming to him for lessons and it it was, it just spoke through the visuals on his site. Now, sure. He had his teaching process there. He had other features about what he did and how he did it. Uh, He had his blog, of course, and he had testimonials, but what really stood out to me and I, and I, 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 I really came back to this. I said, you've really, you've really nailed the personal, fun, enjoyable experience element of why people would want to come and book a lesson with you. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that that really plays well with what you were talking about, uh, 
in terms of that memorable experience. You know, mm-hmm. we, we we both live in Florida. We know the success that Disney has had. Well, sure. everybody points to Disney, but it's a great example because <laughs> it's all about experience. I have yet sure. to hear, I have yet to hear anybody bring their family back from Disney or go without their family and not just rave about every element of the park they were in, what the attraction was, what the experience of the attraction was, how much fun they had, how much they enjoyed it, and they are absolute masters at it. Now, I'm not suggesting no. we're Disney, but those same principles apply to all of our businesses. And the more time we can spend thinking about how we can give a memorable buying experience to the folks we're selling, uh, the better off we're going to be. And, and as I said earlier, the results just have to follow. I, I think an element, you're right, exactly right, Peter. I think an element that's also missing um, from many businesses today, and, and even here in the golf industry, uh, is that customer service. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, Once we've gotten them in the door, uh, again, it alludes to what I just talked to a moment ago, is you know, what kind of experience is that customer going to have? There's always going to be, uh, even at Disney, I guarantee you, uh, there's going to be little hiccups and glitches along the way. Sure but there what are. Di- but, but what Disney does so well is once they identify where the problem is, they move with literally lightning speed into rectifying that situation and making sure that any, anybody that may be or potentially may be affected, um, that issue is rectified immediately. Um, and exactly. that's something that I think the golf industry also needs to do. If, if somebody is not, and we've talked about this on Coach's Corner at other uh, times. In fact, I think we talked about it last week. Um, you know, if somebody is not getting what they feel they need or they're not willing to put in their part of it, um, then sometimes, you know, you have to part ways. Sometimes that relationship is not meant to go on and you have mm-hmm. to be a big enough person to, to say, you know what, maybe this, this, you know, uh, situation is not working out, uh, for both, uh, interests. Um, because it, it also takes a commitment on the, on the uh, consumer's part as well. If they're going to come and take lessons from me or, or Mike or, or Pete, uh, as we talked about earlier, um, then they need to make a certain commitment as well. Other than financials, they need to be willing to put in some time and effort, yes. um, to be able to put some of the principles in practice. But again, if you, if you build a solid relationship with the consumers up front, they will, as you pointed out, Peter, they will trust and rely on your experience to guide them um, to that next mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they don't feel confident or they don't feel they can trust or respect, um, and that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means you haven't gained that trust um, uh, initially. Um, then they're going to be apprehensive and resistant and may not come back uh, to your facility. So, you know, as golf professionals and as golf uh, club owners, you know, we need to be conscious of that. It's a very competitive world. Golf is extremely competitive like every other business. Um, sure just is. Because you're, you know, just because your golf course doesn't physically move, um, you know, doesn't mean that everybody's going to, you know, when you open your doors in the morning, everybody's coming to play. Um, yeah. You know, they're exactly. high- right? Um, you, yeah. Yeah. Ab- ab- yeah. Absolutely. And, and you, you touched on relationships, and, and I think – you know the 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 general element of of relationships are are really uh, that we we really all want and need relationships when we're dealing with people, and and that really doesn't matter whether it's in our businesses or or in our personal lives. Uh, you know, relationships are kind of fundamental. They they in personal life they they give us a sense of caring and belonging, which is essential to us as people, and in business. 
if we play it right, they can make everything a whole lot easier, a whole lot faster. I loved your comment about Disney with the lightning speed. We, they can make it a, a whole lot easier, a whole lot faster, more convenient, and more reliable for our customers. And most of the time, that's really what they're looking for. Um, so once we start with that memorable buying experience that we've both been talking about, um, then we can build on that to, mm-hmm. to maintain the relationship that has started off so well because there was such a positive experience to start it off with. And right. you and I both know, and we've talked about this, Ted, that, you know, the best relationships that we all have, whether they're personal or business, once we start them are really long-term and in a lot of cases, they really never end. Yep. Uh, so that really, I, I think when you move from understanding your customer as people and moving them into understanding their needs and, and, and so on, um, relationships really are the, the direct outcome of our skill in mastering that art of understanding people and then going on and working with them and perhaps selling them uh, mm. down the road on on their terms. Right, and 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 again, I think this moves nicely into really the the second part, as you said, building relationships. Um, we want to build them obviously today, but we want them to last to tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. And having an understanding of that, building these relationships, you know, one of the things that we have to be careful of is, and and again, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, but we're talking about golf here. Um, we want them to come back to that facility or we want them to continue on taking more lessons, um, you know, to help develop their skill level. And exactly. if we're not, if we're not um, defining that relationship very early on um, by, you know, incorporating a level of trust and, and reliance and respect, then we're not going to have that relationship tomorrow. And, you know, we don't. We want to garner away from the quick sale, what I refer to uh, as the today business. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there in, in many industries that are in the today business. They want to get the sale today. Um, they don't care about tomorrow. And in, in mm-hmm. golf, uh, as an instructor, you can't survive. It's all about relationships. Um, you certainly can run. If you're in a, um, I'll give you a good example. We had a customer, a uh, young. Uh, teach professional on the women of golf show Tuesday with uh, LPGA professional Cindy Miller and I, and mm-hmm. uh, she is up in an area in Colorado uh, where there is uh, a grand total population of about 10,000. So not a very big uh, population, mm-hmm. um, but they've got, I think she said about uh, four or five golf courses in that small area. So there's obviously people are interested in golf and it comes to mind. This, this theory here is if she was not, developing and building relationships in her practice, in her golf practice, um, it wouldn't take long to get through all of those people. Um, so there, you know, suddenly she doesn't have that, that steady stream of, of new customers. So it's extremely important in a, in a position like hers to build relationships because she doesn't have you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people to deal with. She's only got 10,000 in her immediate community. So building those long-term relationships is extremely important for her business. Otherwise, she'd be out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and I think I, I, absolutely. I, I, and, I, and I think a big part of this whole relationship building thing is is the way we communicate with the people we're serving or with our customers. And we, we got a lot of ways to do that. Obviously, there's email programs out there like Mailchimp and Constant mm-hmm. Contact, and and we can post on social media. You were talking about that sure. earlier, and text and phone call follow up. 
And and some of the special things that I've seen that are really work and are highly personalized is I just love to see folks that use handwritten thank you notes. And yeah, they, they really do work. And, and they right. when they're used, they can really set you apart from the pack when you when you use them. And and I think that we're, what's really important in a relationship, as it always is, and it doesn't matter whether it's personal or business, but communicating with the folks at the other end and using the programs that are out there to do that uh, and then personalizing the way we communicate really helps to foster and to build the relationship. And we can, we can communicate with them uh, if we've done that earlier stage where we've learned as much as we can about them. And then right. the thing that I always like to do when I'm communicating in, in a relationship, I like to use the communication channels that whoever I'm speaking to likes best. And mm-hmm. automatically that fosters that relationship and builds that relationship uh, that we started with the, the positive buying experience that we talked about earlier. So yep. I, I think that, that that communication element uh, is really important to, uh, you know, especially, you know, we're going to invest a lot of time in building relationships. Um, and, and we want to make sure that we're getting a payoff out of it. Uh, sure. and, and I think that by communicating effectively and well with all the ways that we do have to communicate and making it personal and using the channel mm-hmm. that, that they like best, I think is a, goes a long way to, to really, uh, to really making that happen. Uh, and I think it, it also, I think, I think it also builds comfort from the other side Um, through that communication, through that communication, they, they feel comfortable with us. You talked about this earlier in terms of what is the environment when you go in through that front door, you want folks that are that, and, and I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying it, it happens uh, over time and it happens with one ton of work. But when the, as you said earlier, when the personal work and commitment is put into it, folks start to feel more comfortable with this. And as yes. we said earlier, they trust us. And, and that's going to build the relationship. And it has to create selling opportunities for us and more sales. Um, because, um, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is when we're building relationships, we're, we're really building selling opportunities through those relationships. Um, and, and I think that, that one of the things about selling opportunities, when we have this trust factor and we have this belief factor and comfort factor with the folks we are dealing with, they'll be very willing to give us referrals, to even more people. And right. usually, as you and I have talked before, referrals often lead to faster buying decisions. And yes. then as, as we have talked before, uh, referrals will connect us to their networks. So here we go again, more selling opportunities, more business growth, more decisions happening. There's a, there's a huge business multiplier effect here if we can <clears throat> take advantage of springboarding that relationship, working it, fostering it through communication and understanding. Uh, the payoff is, uh, is phenomenal. And, and, and I think something else that's really important here and getting down to the personal side of things, as we've been talking about throughout tonight's broadcast, mm-hmm. through the coaching segment and also with you and I, Ted, something we often miss here, and I think this is really important, 
for us to remember as, as business owners. And it, it really doesn't matter whether we're in the golf industry or not. But I happen to think, and there's a real personal payoff here when we build these relationships. There's a real satisfaction factor that we feel when we can build a positive relationship with people. People sure. were there to serve, and people there were, need, were there to work with, people were there to build relationships and sell with. When we do this well, it, it can really make us feel good about ourselves. And we start to feel a real sense of pride about the relationship building job that we've done. And, and let's be honest, when we're in our own business, some days out there can be really demanding and yep. and really de-energizing. <laughs> yeah. And I don't need to, to say explain that to you. I don't need no. to explain that to you. Uh, so we all need a positive boost. And I like to think that we can get a positive boost from this relationship building that comes from communicating and understanding and personal contact with folks. And I really, uh, I really think that's an important element of what we've been talking about tonight. It's that right. personal and, benefit for us as business owners. Right. And, and that's really the reason, you know, why I wanted to do these two segments is I wanted to, you know, give them some, some specific tips uh, that you put together. And, and of course, this goes back to what I talked to earlier and uh, we'll, we'll try to get through this uh, as quick as we can, because I know that uh, we're limited for time, but um, you know, the, the two segments were really uh, a springboard to your, um, your selling uh, uh, program, Go for the Green Selling Challenge. So I want to, if you can, just take a moment or two to talk about that. Um, all of these things that we've talked about the last two segments, uh, last week uh, on September 8th, sure. and of course tonight, um, is is available in your Go for the Green Selling Challenge. So where can the listeners uh, that want to go in and, and take advantage of that? It's a great product that you put together that really encapsulates all of what we've been talking about the last couple of nights. Great. Well, I, I appreciate that. But I, the first thing I'd like to do is have a little bit of fun. Do we have time for a rapid fire exercise? I, I, I would really like to do this if we if if we can have if we can take a, a couple of minutes. First of all, some background and I'll go through this really quickly because I think this really wraps up exactly what we've been talking about. And then I want to talk okay. about go for the green selling challenge. Uh, okay. While I was preparing for tonight's show, I received an online customer survey from our bank asking customers to rate it on eight items. Talk about super timing. I couldn't believe it. The survey wow. captures everything we've been talking about tonight. And I'd be remiss for your audience, Ted, if I didn't have some fun with this. And, and sure. I'm sorry, I borrowed that from Faraday, okay, because he always does rapid fire. <laughs> and as you know, I'm a big Faraday fan. We talked about that right. last week. So let's right. have some fun and give this thing a shot. First, here's the okay. question. Do your customers say this about your business? One, it makes me feel like I've made a smart choice. Two, right. it's very helpful. Three, it listens. Sound familiar, Ted? Four, mm -hmm. it's always looking out for me. Five, it's working hard to earn my business. Six, it's a business I can trust. Seven, it's a business I value. It's a business that makes it easy to do business. Yikes, was that on target? And I guess my final wow. question to the folks out there is, so how, as it, to coin a phrase from our good friends at Capital One, so how does your business rate? Anyway, I want to talk, mm -hmm. I, I felt that that was really relevant to what we're, we're still going to wrap up. Yeah, I want to tie these segments together, and I know our time is short, but 
let's let's uh, bring this all in for a landing now. Okay. We've been talking tonight about people in relationship building tips. And there are two of the seven tips that you and I have been talking about in this two-part series as ways to increase sales and grow our businesses, whether in golf or outside of golf. I'm, I'm a big believer in summing up. So here, here are the seven tips, all seven of them, one, one more time. First, we sure. talked about the three P's for business performance. And those mm-hmm. three P's are preparation, planning, and, of course, the extended version of people tonight. Then we right. talked about grabbing your goals we then talked about asking the right questions and then listening for the answers carefully, learning from mm. those answers and applying those answers as solutions in our businesses. Then we talked about the fun part of this whole seven group, sell, sell the benefits, get out there, get right. excited and sell the benefits of your business. Then get a commitment to action from whom you're speaking to. And then as we've covered tonight, a big segment on building relationships, which is so important for not only today, but tomorrow. Um, and, and I've really, really, really enjoyed sharing <clears throat> these tips with you last week and tonight. And thank you so much for the opportunity to do so. I believe in these tips. I use them every day. So I really know that they work. But the most important thing, because this has been my role over these last two sessions, most importantly, you out there in the audience can now put them all to work in building your businesses. And that's really the important mission that I've had in these two sessions. Yep. Uh, as, I said, as I said earlier, uh, I wanted to talk very quickly about Go for the Green Selling Challenge. You, sure. you gave me a great, a great introduction in my own introduction. Uh, <laughs> our product is really, as you said, a, a whole new way to sharpen your selling game online by linking the fun of golf to selling. And it's, it's really a fun product. Uh, it's been designed that way, and it ties together beautifully golf and selling. Because just like in golf, you'll, you'll end the challenge, you'll learn and improve your selling skills in the practice module, then play to test them on a virtual golf course. And the folks out there could check it out at mygoforthegreen.com. And they can also reach me uh, because I'm always pleased to help your audience grow their businesses. My email is peter at mygoforthegreen.com. And our website, of course, is mygoforthegreen.com. So I'm going to turn it back to you, Ted. Uh, neither of us thought we could really get through all this tonight, but we managed <laughs> to do it rather well, if I, if I might take mutual credit for both of us. Over to you. You certainly can. Well, thank you, Peter. And, and uh, as always, I appreciate uh, your thoughts and input. And, and as I said earlier, um, you know, we first were setting this up. I felt that the, these were important segments to have on the show. And, and what I try to do, uh, I follow the three P's, of course, uh, preparation, planning, and, and of course, people. Uh, I like to you share sure my, my thoughts and, and, and views, but I also like to share the thoughts and views of my guests. And I feel that what you came here to talk about the last uh, two sessions uh, here on Golf Talk Live um, can really be applied to any business, but um, certainly can be applied uh, to the golf business, those in the golf industry, and those that maybe want to use golf as a business tool, as I touched on a little bit earlier. So I would strongly suggest that uh, those listening to the show that you go to Peter's website, uh, my Go for the Green Selling Challenge, uh, which is mygoforthegreen.com, uh, and uh, and take the challenge and uh, and learn some of the things that we talked about tonight. Um, 
I think it's just great, a great opportunity. Peter, I want to thank you very much for coming on to uh, Golf Talk Live and sharing that with my audience uh, the last couple of weeks. Ted, it's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I've enjoyed preparing for it. I've enjoyed the interchanges and the discussions that you and I have had. Uh, I've learned a ton. So I should really be thanking you. Uh, it's been a wonderful experience for me. Uh, and I'm very, very grateful that uh, we've been able to uh, put these tips out. And I'm very hopeful and I'm expecting and attracting that your audience will put them to work and uh, get the value that, uh, as I said earlier, has been my task and my mission in uh, the two sessions. Well, perfect. Um, Again, Peter, I want to thank you very much for joining me on Golf Talk Live. It's a pleasure, and and, uh, we'll be in touch with one another uh, here shortly, and uh, we'll continue on this journey. But uh, thank you for joining me on Golf Talk Live and sharing uh, all of this with my audience uh, the last couple of weeks. Thanks so much, Ted. All right. You have a great evening. Bye. You you right. bet. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. <clears throat> okay, that was my very special my breaking up here. We're we're literally going off air, so I want to again thank my uh, coaches corner panel, uh, Pete Buchanan and Mike Fay, and of course my very special guest, Mr. Peter Willis. Thank you, and uh, I will see you next week right here uh, live on Golf Talk Live. Good night, everybody. <laughs>